Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. If you've ever been out in the field, whether you're hunting around, hiking around, even driving around, you looked out and you saw a buck and you thought to yourself, that's a nice buck. But then you wondered to yourself, what was it that caused me to just say that that is a nice buck? I think we all know in our heads probably what it was about that, about that buck that made you say that. But deep down, if you wondered, kind of beyond the level of, well, I had a big rack. If you wondered, all right, how did that become the qualification for a nice buck? And this is the podcast for you. We've, uh, Mark, we should probably stop having a lot of conversations prior to podcasts because naturally I think we've done this a fair amount of times where we say, well, we were talking about this just before the podcast and darn it, we weren't hitting record. Uh, we didn't have the headsets on. This could kind of go in a number of different directions, really. We, we don't have a set direction just yet. I mean, but that's kind of the idea for this. We're talking about the thought process around deer, you know, these days and how it's evolved and hunter's thoughts around deer and how that's evolved over time and where we're at now. Yeah. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it? Is it neither? Is it normal? Is it normal? Yeah. So I think, oh, how did this, this all end up starting out? Deer naming. Deer naming? Yep. Explain deer naming for those not familiar. Because so, deer naming could sound really strange yep. to somebody who's not a deer hunter. We were talking about what our thoughts were about naming deer. And, like, deer hunters... Whitetail hunters, predominantly whitetail yep, hunters, are are the group that they'll have a deer. They may or may not have years of so-called history Quota- with that deer. Quotation yeah, marks. air quotes. And and the history is through sightings, trail cameras, you know, encounters. Maybe they find a shed, and then over the years, that deer now is Devil Brows, or it has a name. You know, right, right. So it's it's acquired, like humans have given it. Yeah, a name. Yeah, Giving it's, it it's a, a name. S- and then you kill it. Oftentimes based on a, a specific attribute, yep. which, right. you know, helps, you know, qualify or, you know, if, if Eric and I are communicating about a specific deer, which uh, neither of us, I think, are lucky enough to have super really cool properties that we can manage and yep. ultimately name deer. And so I'd be like, oh, yeah, the split G2 buck or, or picket fence or Houdini. Right. Wide load. <laughs> <laughs> can we? So can we agree that most of the characteristics people are naming them off of is the rack? Yeah. Well, what yes you, and what no. Would you say yes I'd, and no. I'd say oftentimes, and again, you know, not saying right, wrong, otherwise. I mean, there's a lot of thoughts and feelings and interpretations, you know, that revolve around where I think we're, we'll get there. You know, today, you know, naming deer, trophy hunting, but oftentimes folks will. Name a deer, just a regular name, too. True. Yeah. True. Yeah, and it's to usually differentiate that deer from other deer that you see in the trail camps, things like that. But why are you trying to differentiate the deer? What What's the whole point? I get So trail cams get put out in spots, obviously, to kind of see what the deer activity is mm-hmm. when you're not there. Yep. And then ideally help you set up for a potential... Yeah, they give you yep. the intel that goes into your hunt and factors into your decision to sit this spot versus this spot, pursue this deer versus this deer. Right. Just yeah, just know what is in the area or on your property. Mm-hmm. So, but what's the whole deal behind people like following deer throughout their lifetime, starting to starting to gather this name, 
like that's kind of where we're what we're trying to get at. I don't mm-hmm. even know definitively. I'll I'll tell you right now. I don't think we have the answer as to why people do this. Is it right? Is it wrong? We're just we're just going to be talking about it. But what do you think it is that all of a sudden causes people to start? This is something they're going to kill that they have the intention of killing yep. at least. Yep. And they start they start watching it. They start almost it almost becomes it's like a pet in a weird in a weird way. And their vendetta is to kill it. Yeah, and so and, and again like right now we're we're coming out this I got 7 years of history with my dog Hank and I think uh it's about time. <laughs> 2019's going to be his year. Kaboom. <laughs> so so look at the rabbits, George. Jeez, uh, you guys made me lose my train of thought here, but but it's just it's really interesting. It's kind of like a pet in some ways, but you're almost you're like raising it, right? I mean, I'd say you're managing your property and manipulating it in a fashion to sometimes avoiding contact with it in order to yeah you know avoiding contact you yeah. have to not pressure it and and get it off you know land that that you have either own or have permission to hunt and then along with that i mean you're you're trying to provide optimal conditions for a deer to i'd say specifically more a buck but also you're providing you know an environment for does to be extremely healthy as well but to reach its again air quotes full potential yeah Mm -hmm. and part of that full potential is allowing that through selective harvest i guess yeah to allowing that deer to get older and yeah and thus larger and bigger yeah yeah bigger antlers now the reason that i'm kind of bringing up the way i'm bringing it up is because i think i I mentioned this just a bit ago but to a non-hunter that's kind of weird i i think it would and super weird and part of this conversation revolves around the fact that as hunters, you know, are we doing ourselves favors by doing some of these things or how can we explain it in a way that doesn't make it sound weird mm-hmm. or what? Actually, which, which I think that's probably more the key. Right. Yeah. I do find it interesting though, and this kind of goes, I might just be totally switching gears. I don't know. But I do find it interesting though, how hunting, especially deer and bucks and stuff like that, has become a lot about kind of like a numbers game. It's kind of like, well, quite literally, you hear score yeah. mm-hmm. and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And that, I think it's demonized quite a bit mm-hmm. in, the, in the public eye where people say that you don't have respect for the animal, you're just looking for these numbers, big numbers, right? Yep. Yeah, the, it, the value of that animal to you or anybody else is defined by that number, which denotes... You know, how big was what was on top of its head? Yeah. Right. And I find it interesting because I don't want to act like people have never, people have, people have never in the past been been interested in how big an animal, animal that they took was. I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even doubt it. I'm no historian, but you could go all the way back to the dawn of man, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's something about a bigger animal or something like that. You know, if you, t- yeah. if you take it down, it's, it's this feat. Well, you know, it's funny, and I was going to, that's something I've thought about a lot is, you know, I mean, like, so for me personally, right, since I was a young kid, my dad hunted, I was into hunting, but I've always been, and I don't consider myself, I even hate the word, like a trophy hunter, right? But I've also, and I guess I never, I didn't grow up in a family where a lot of emphasis was put on, you know, the size of the antlers, you know, I mean, heck, I grew up 
hunting blacktails. I mean, if we saw a two point, like that was a pretty big deal, right? We got a two point here. Yeah. Is that yeah. is that what this is? Yeah, that's Sitka oh, this blacktail. Is a two point in front of us on the on the table for those watching on YouTube. That's what it's I would a call two a two point. point. Yeah. Yep. Do some people call that a four point? Midwest, yeah, whitetail. That's a four point. Okay, gotcha. Anyway, two by two, west of the Mississippi. Yep, east of the Mississippi. Random side note. Apologies. Yeah. <laughs> okay, carry on. But it, my point is, though, I've always been captivated by like horns and antlers, and I guess that probably is like big and small, right? Like yeah. I, I remember. Heck, as a kid, you know, my mom didn't love uh, deer racks and things like that. And so my dad kept them in the garage. And I'm like, well, I can do whatever I want in my room. So I'd, like, I'm like, I'm putting those in my room. You know, I thought they were super cool, you know. And, and I don't really know what drove that. I can't tell you what drove that. But there was something, like, I just found super intrinsically cool about horns and antlers. Which just actually, from the get-go? Just from the get-go, which makes me think. And it's funny, before this podcast, I was doing some Googling to see if there was any, you know, scientific data or research that potentially drives that even today, like in modern humans, I guess, if you will, like, you know, you look at the function of, gosh, I'm totally sidetracking, but I kind of like oh, it. This is um, you look at the, the function that antlers on a deer serve for the deer, right? Yep. Uses it to fight, denotes maturity, you know, depending on the species or heck, maybe a lot of them, mate selection, right? Uh, females might, you know, use that as a visual indicator that this is like, an animal or a, a mate that is obviously survived a long time, like has the skills to, you know, like, oh, I know yeah. you, like, least, oh, yeah, you've at got... At least a couple of years, you know? You know, and, and so I think about that. I'm like, wow, man, like, you know, if you look at primitive humans, did somehow being able to harvest those bigger animals, you know, for food, was that, A, did they even keep them around in, the, in their full intact form, Right. Or was, yeah, did, did, it, did bigger horns mean I've got more tools? Right. Uh, does it mean I'm actually a superior hunter because I can harvest these bigger, older age class things, which is actually going to help me get an optimal mate, right? Oh, being, yeah. Being a provider, right? Yeah. Does that denote that I'm a superior provider, that I killed, you know, a big six-point bull elk versus... And I don't have the answer. Like, and it's funny, like, I was in my minimal Google searching, I guess I didn't, I didn't find anything supporting that hypothesis, but I'd be curious to know if there's any you know merit yeah. to it or if it holds any water. Seems to be something that's kind of hardwired into the DNA because, like you said, just from the get go, you were doing that. Now, the one thing that I'll say, we again, something that we just kind of chatted about earlier. So, like me, when I I didn't grow up with any entity in my life that got me into hunting. Like, there wasn't a person when I was growing up that was, you know, telling me to go hunt or taking me hunting. There wasn't some hunting dog that I was really close with. There wasn't some place mm-hmm. that I particularly went to. You know, there wasn't, like, some of these some of these physical, symbolic things that some people have. And now, getting into hunting, now that I'm a little older, and having it pretty much be mostly, like, a my decision kind of thing. Right. I would be... All right, I'm going to say this right off the bat, and then I, I there's going to be, it's like I before E except after E, but neighbor and way and whatever. C. Yeah, or C, or I before E except after E, is that what I said? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, well, C, except neighbor and way. Blah, blah, blah. You know, so there's always exceptions. But, like, in my head, I feel like if I went out to go hunting, mm-hmm. the size of the rack, truly, and, and I mean this deep, not even just trying to, like, be antagonistic to people who think this way or whatever, like, just the way that I think. Like, it wouldn't matter to me. Okay. But, okay, here comes the neighbor in okay. way. 
If there is two bucks, I was just about to ask this question. Yeah. Standing there, <laughs> right there, just both plain as day, equally easy broadside shot, and one was bigger than the other. Dude, I would take the bigger one. You know which yeah. one you're shooting, and yeah. I don't like. It seems so obvious, you know. Like you would present that situation to any hunter out there. And I can't think of any hunter that would say, oh, yeah, I'd take the smaller one. Mm-hmm. If they, Again, if we're assuming that they're basically exactly the same, you know, and it's not like the big one has CWD or something like that. Right. But uh, Which you could actually argue, like, if you somehow knew that, which you're not going to know right. that. Unless, a, unless it's, like, totally visibly sick. Well, you know, it has a, it has probably a l- better off. larger chance of yeah. potentially having CWD. Take it out. But let's say you're in a state that's not as effective, right? Yeah. And you just think that it's so obvious. It's so, like, oh, yeah, you don't even have to, like, that's a pointless exercise. It's every, everybody knows it, but at the same time, you know, I guess it's, it's again, it's kind of like, well, why? Yeah. But yeah, at, th- then we also got to talking about, okay, so then it became a game of situation. Right. Right. So let's say you're on a hunt that's going to be multiple days and you see a buck come out right away, like 10 minutes into your hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. it's fairly extreme, but it can happen. Yeah, for sure. 10 minutes into your hunt, you see a buck come out and you know, yeah, you have four more days. Mm hmm. A whole season. Yeah. Do you take that buck? Do you wait? And I was saying, personally, I would, like, at this point, I would wait. Mm-hmm. Not because I'd be waiting on a bigger buck. That wouldn't go through my head. But I'd be waiting just because I would like to hunt more. But do I have Mark to believe that the potential for a larger antler deer, it's somehow playing into your thought process. I just can't imagine that it would, like, I know I gave the situation where, like, if both of them were standing right there. Right. That I mean, that's pretty... Lightning striking. That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty extreme, too. Yep. And again, it's one of those things where it's like... But I get, but also, you yeah. know, like, and this is, this is what I was going to bring up, and you already did in, in a way. Everything about this conversation is completely contextual, yep. and it's going to very probably pretty widely... Among individuals, and like we've already talked about, like ten things that I want to circle back to. Right yeah, now. definitely. But have you ever shot a deer before in your life? What is the likelihood of seeing another deer? You, I mean, there you might be a hunt or deer or elk or whatever, whatever this you know animal is that you're pursuing. You know, I might be on. I'll take state of Washington. That's where I grew up, right? If I was bow hunting elk and a legal bull. I'm talking, I'm going to put myself in the optimal situation. Roosevelt elk, I think, are like one of the coolest things on the planet. A legal bull comes out within the first two seconds of legal shooting light on the first day. You better believe I'm taking that shot. Okay. Now, if I'm on some crazy managed possible private ranch where there's, you know, four points everywhere, you know, six points are fighting around every corner. Yeah, I'm probably not, probably not going to shoot the first four-point that comes my way for your reason. I don't want to cheat myself out of the hunt, you know, yeah. or, or having a, a longer, more experiences, more fulfilling experience, potentially get a bigger bull because, like I said, I don't know, I think big yep. bucks and bulls are, are cool. cool. But I'll argue against myself. I know, Eric, you want to interject. I'm totally cutting you off, but just stuff keeps popping in my head. Eric, just shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah, shut it. <laughs> shut it. Shut it. Um, <laughs> But then, like, I, I can argue against myself, like, so I love to hunt. I love that experience. That's, like, a huge part of it for me. 
But then I'm like, when I, and I also love to hunt for food. I love the food aspect. I love sharing the food, the A to Z process, the camaraderie. But then I, I cannot, I'm like, well, gosh, is that, could that be interpreted as like, I'm essentially like playing with my food or like, so why does this, and I, I also hate this word because I think it often gets misinterpreted, but why is that sporting aspect so important as well? Go for it, Eric. Yeah. Keep talking. So you said you brought up the how it's all kind of contextual and relative. And that's the number one thing that I think is a big kind of like flashing asterisk next to it. It's, mm-hmm. it's relative to your situation. To your point there, you brought up that Washington, Roosevelt, Elk hunt. You get, you know, the first legal bull, you're shooting it. This year, I had a similar experience to that. Granted, it was a tiny, it was one of the smallest bucks I've ever shot. But as soon as I saw it, I knew I wanted to shoot it. And that was because I hadn't had a chance to hunt with a couple of friends of mine mm-hmm. in two and a half, over two years. And I, I joked to those guys when I was down there that I'm going to shoot the first buck that I get a crack at that's a good ethical opportunity because you guys are here. Yep. They f- $539 Iowa tag that guys will wait Ooh. their life for. Not their life, but years to get. Oh, yeah. And I hunted for 25 minutes because we just got lucky the first deer that came out was a buck that i was going to shoot it was a deer that you know i was excited to shoot because i had my buddies right there behind Mm -hmm. me now the situation situation, was perfect exactly like everything you wanted to get out of that experience right there was what you wanted to get out of it right and now the situation being perfect let's say that i'm down there i'm hunting by myself Without any camaraderie, I just don't have any connection to the the people down there. I just got this tag, waited a couple of years, got it, and went down. That deer comes out, I bet I'm, I, I can tell you for a fact that I wouldn't shoot that deer. Mm-hmm. And it's just relative to the situation and what's around you and what factors into your yeah. motive. And you're well, talking about the exact same state, yep. exact same time, exact same deer, potentially exact same place. Yeah. And yet, completely different mindset. Yeah going into it. Well, that's the thing that's cool about hunting because we're just mentioning so many variables. And that's the thing is there are so many variables in hunting because of the fact that it really involves every single step of the process, which which what I mean by that is when you go hunting, there's figuring out where you're going to go hunting. There's getting the tag. There's getting the equipment. There's getting out there. There is the actual hunting, the stalking, the, you know, the um, sitting and waiting, the patience. Then there's the shot. Then there's the harvest. Then there's, you know, packing out or whatever it is, getting out of there. And then there's the processing of the meat, cutting it up, you know, and finally then there's the cooking of it and all these things. Yeah, camp time, so many, joking around, yeah, whatever. Yeah, there's so many variables. And then the people that you do it with or that you don't do it with if you're going solo or whatever, that it does make it a very situational thing. But yeah, no, it, it did get me wondering, like, if there's something to be said about the fact, I'm, I'm open to the fact that right now, and Mark, maybe the reason it's hard for you to believe is because you've been hunting far longer than I have, and you did kind of have this different, like, you grew up in it. Mm-hmm. Like, right now, I just feel like the actual act of, the, of hunting is up there is my priority, mm-hmm. whereas the size of the deer, the whatever, the yeah. rack, is not. But I'm open to the fact that someday, maybe that size or whatever will start to nag on me a little bit, and I'll start to want 
You know, I, I just well, don't know because it, I think I think a lot of times it's easy for people to start. You know, like like for example, we went out to Nebraska. Mm-hmm. We shot a buck. I mm-hmm. shot that one. It's not a massive buck. Truthfully, I don't even know what size it was. Yeah, it wasn't huge, but mm-hmm. it was like I was cool that I liked it. That's yeah, awesome, dude. Yeah, that was all I cared about. Yeah, I could see. I don't know, but I could see next time I go out to Nebraska. Now that I have that experience under my belt, mm-hmm. that changed me. You know, I'm not the same person that I was before I went out that first time. So maybe next time, who knows what? Next time I go out and I think, well, I got this bug last time. I'd like to get something bigger. I don't know, you know. Or I went out last time with Ryan and Mark, and we had this experience. It was with a muzzle loader. It was, you know, I want to take a buck that's farther away than the first one I shot. You know, or like there's now you have other things to start basing off of, right? Rather than just what you had originally, which I think can also change things quite a bit. You know, well, I think I think it can. You know, and and that was, I mean, there's definitely some 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 nice bucks where we were, but you know, again, the context of that hunt, like none of us had, we'd looked at that area for a long time, but none of us had any, you know, boots on the ground experience there. We wanted to go, like we went into that going like, if we get a buck, like if we can get a buck, like this is going to be a pretty big deal. And and, and mm-hmm. I'd still maintain, I'd probably go back there about just about every year and, and feel that same yep. way. And, and don't get me wrong. Cause I don't think that antler size should be, you know, I guess, you know, personal opinion, right? Focus yeah. group of one right here. Like, I don't think that should be like the defining or determining factor of, you know, the single reason a person heads a field, right? Mm-hmm. Like, or at mm-hmm. least, and I know that's not the fact for me personally, but it could be a situation like we talk about, and we touched on this already, but extending the hunt, like, let's say we did that hunt three years in a row and you're fortunate enough to shoot a couple bucks that are about that same size or something like that. Yep. And it's the fourth time you've done this hunt, and it's that same scenario we described before. It's day one. You're just minutes into the hunt, and you've got this opportunity. And I think sometimes, although it's almost like a default, by holding out or trying or hunting longer, by default, you're giving yourself this, like, bigger experience, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's like, yes, you are hunting for a bigger animal, but what you're really hunting for is the byproduct of that, yeah. which is this... A bigger experience. Bigger yeah. experience. And somehow, well, bigger experience literally has the word bigger in it. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think a lot of times... Yeah, I know. I think a lot of times some of this feeling probably can come from people wanting something bigger. Mm-hmm. You know? It's kind of... Well, you see everybody talk about, oh, that's my biggest buck. Yeah. And then what do they have to do? Find a bigger one. Yep. I mean, that's kind of the way that people work a lot of times. Yeah, a lot yeah. of times. But and, I, and one thing I always like to say is uh, it's the size of the hunt, man. Oh, it's, yeah. It's the size of the hunt. And yeah, I can look at, you know, I've got some taxidermy in my house. And and I think we even talked about this before at one time. But the biggest buck that I have mounted isn't my most important deer. Uh, yeah, I would entirely yeah, personally. echo that. In fact, probably the coolest hunts I've been on where I've been fortunate enough to get something, yeah, they're not they're not defined by what was on top of that animal's head at mm-hmm. the end of the day. Like right. it was like, I mean, like yep. I said, it's the size of the hunt. Yeah, and uh, well, I guess there's a couple things I could dovetail into here, but it's almost impossible to talk about a situ or a conversation where you're discussing the human psychology and summer arts mm-hmm. 
nowadays without mentioning how social media and things like that can affect it. And certainly, I'm sure that when you go on social media and you see giant slob bucks, yeah. you know, plastered all over your Facebook wall, that ha- that can have something to do with it. You start seeing, well, should I get a big buck? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And then I think that that happens as well. Another, I was, you ever have those mornings where you wake up and you just wake up thinking and you almost have like, you just have like a really great thought in the morning. It's like right out of bed. Boom. Usually has to take at least until like 10.45 a.m., but I I get what you're saying. Okay, cool. Um, No, I mean, it happens occasionally, and usually I can never remember it, and I start talking about it, and then I lose my train of thought, so forgive me if that happens. But I was thinking about, you know, the idea of this dovetailed into beginner's luck in my head. Mm -hmm. You take a a sport, right? Let's take basketball. I've always enjoyed basketball. And uh, you get somebody out on the court who's never played basketball before, Mm -hmm. and you just say, put the ball on the hoop. Right, and all of a sudden they go around, and actually they're like they're not bad. Like it, it, it happens in all kinds of sports a lot of times, and I think a lot of times it's because when you're just starting out, it's simple. Mm-hmm. There is one goal, right? In basketball, it's put the ball in the hoop. I mean that's it. Yep. And then all of a sudden, kind of once you get that down, though, you start looking around and you start seeing other people like, oh, that guy can dribble between his legs. That guy can do a behind-the-back pass. Yep. That guy can do an alley-oop. That guy jumps high and he can dunk. Mm-hmm. And, now, and now just, like, putting the ball in the hoop isn't enough anymore. And you start trying to get into, you know, like, figure out how to do this thing and that thing and get bigger, better, faster, stronger. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get away from... Just the core, yep. which was put the ball in the hoop. And for some people, it can totally throw them off. I, like, you know, some of the overthinkers. Anyway, and that, mm-hmm. that's just starting to get into sports stuff a little bit more than more so than hunting, because I'm not saying, well, no, it's possible you can not. overthink a hunt and actually hunt worse. Oh, for sure. That's certainly possible. But that's a little bit less of what we're talking about. What I'm getting at is just that your mentality as you do things more certainly can change from when you first start out and your progression like your that, progression. that yeah. there's a there's a definitive progression as a hunter like i'm a firm believer in that like when when someone starts hunting whether that's you know 12 years old whether that's 20 years old or whatever like there is a progression there and i think for a lot of people it's natural like like the sports analogy it's natural to like whether it's sports or hunting you're always exposed to that like mainstream media and in this case, the mainstream hunting media, like you start watching and consuming some of the stuff out there. And, you know, you might have shot in your first buck and you're happy and excited about that. And you haven't been consuming some of the, the content that's out there. But now you're more interested Which in Which can it. present or a pretty false picture Definitely. of reality. So now, you, now you're interested in hunting. Now you start reading magazines and watching shows and and the whole nine yards. Now you're realizing that your buck is, you know, this compared to whatever you're seeing on TV is, is this. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it, big antlers. Now all of a sudden you start to get like, and, and this is, I think where the hunting mainstream media has its kind of downfalls is like, it portrays this almost not a false reality because it's certain, certainly attainable, but it can, almost have a negative effect on on new hunters it can have a negative effect on new hunters it can also have a negative effect on Mm non-hunters like when we got back from nebraska i remember showing the picture of the deer to my my in-laws who don't hunt and they were like oh it's just a little guy and i remember like that was the first thing they said and And you're like it kind of it struck me like it didn't bother me i don't care you know if they whatever again like i said it didn't bother me what size it was you know 
But then I remember thinking to myself, like, I wonder, like, they've never hunted. I wonder where all of a sudden it just became a thing where it was like, oh, it needs to be big. I wish you would have asked, like... I, I know I should have, yeah. right? But it was one of those things where it's like, like it's the like, holidays. Not, Don't not cause like, tension. Not like, you, not like you're mad or anything. Be like, be like, just because it's a, it's like you said, particularly coming from a person who doesn't hunt, it is, a, it's a curious yeah. comment. Unless, unless their comment was they just thought it was cute, you know, or no, something like possible. that. Yeah. Um, which I don't know, deer pretty cute. But Jim, you know, I want to go back to like your sports analogy there, because or whatever activity a person is gener- is interested in. Uh-huh. I think there's a natural desire to get better at it. Yes. Right? Whether it's basketball. Like, oh, man, throwing, in that, throwing that ball in the hoop was a thrill. Like I said, oh, man, yeah, I want to figure out how to do that behind the back. Like, you want to figure it out. Like, you want to learn. You want to get better. And I think, you know, there's definitely parallels with that in hunting. And, and not that plenty of giants get shot off the road, right? You know, but I'd say if for a person to be to consistently take older age class animals they've probably developed a pretty darn good hunting skill set over time to be able to do that. And, and my, that's because you're hunting more mature, be, smarter deer that have, that have gotten smart by avoiding predators yep. for yeah. a longer lifespan. And also to do that, you're probably not taking the first opportunity that presents itself and therefore giving yourself more time afield and more opportunities to learn the animals, the country, animal behavior, uh, patterns, you know, everything that go, you know, everything that a person might want to learn, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think, I think there's just that natural, and I think that's innate, right? Like we just, if you like something and you want to get better at it, like you work harder at it. Yeah. No, you actually, you bring up a, you bring up an excellent point. I think one of the interesting things too about, I guess and now we're, I don't know, it's like ping pong, switching gears here back and forth. I think but it's because it's so complex. No, like it, it just dovetails it into like all these little intricate things, you know, and it's like in some ways I'm a trophy hunter. In some ways I'm the exact opposite of a trophy hunter. And yeah, I think it yeah. just goes back to that contextual yep. thing. We got, I was going to bring this up. We got an email from someone. It was a teacher locally, and obviously I won't say any names or anything like that, but their third grader, wrote us a letter, actually, in their class. It was part of a project. And this third grader, actually, I was very impressed at the third grader's critical thinking skills. It was very well thought out. Um, this third grader went so far as to put, do a poll in their entire class about people's feelings on hunting and talk to all their friends and things like that. And they were very adamantly opposed to hunting. And the thing that I found interesting was that a lot of the reasoning behind this third grader being opposed to hunting were actually things that I also think or that I've also thought, you know, and and he or she, I'm not sure, brings up, oh gosh, let's see, where was it? People hunting, let's see, people, well, one, people trespassing, I just saw that, and, uh, you know, trespassing in order to hunt, somebody apparently came up to this, this uh, young person's family's home and asked if they could hunt on their land, and they said, I guess they said no, mm-hmm. and the person ended up hunting their land anyway, which I don't agree with. Which I think totally like a negative thing, Bad the wrong apple. thing to do. Bad apple, mm. but also not limited. To, I feel like, oh, here, let me sit here and shoot holes in a third grader's argument. That actually, I agree. The fact that this young person took the time to do this and present arguments in such a 
Yeah, and mostly the reason why I'm stumbling through this trying to find this is because I was looking for maybe like an exact quote. But essentially, I I probably won't find it here on the podcast just in time, but essentially what they were getting at was, you know, they don't like, they've seen a a hunter trespass in order to to Mm -hmm. shoot a deer. And everyone's minds can go crazy wondering why maybe they saw a giant buck back there. Who knows what? But either way, that that gave a bad experience Mm -hmm. to this, this person. And then also they bring up, the fact that some people shoot deer, don't eat it, and they just go for the head. And that's certainly something I think that we all disagree with here. Mm-hmm. So I'll say yes and no, though, right? Like, that meat is being utilized by a person who is in need of meat and protein. So ultimately, it's doing a good thing. Wait, what? Well, when you said, like, if somebody shoots a deer and they donate the meat, right? Oh, no, like, no, no. no. Oh. I said they don't eat. Oh, oh. I'm sorry. Don't, oh. don't oh, eat. Oh, I thought you said donate. Oh, no, no, no. I, gosh, I was, no. I was like, man, like, I mean. Oh, no, that's just <laughs> a mispronunciation or, or uh, a lack of enunciation. Apologies. No, <laughs> they don't eat the meat. They just take the head. I was like, man, I gave a bunch of deer meat to a family that needed it the other day. No, absolutely. I think that's I felt, amazing. I felt pretty good about yeah. it. <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> you did that very politically correct, I got to say. I was like, I think that's something we all disagree with. And you're like, well, let's just <laughs> if I were you, I'd be over there like, hey, F off. Yeah. <laughs> um, well done. A way to keep your cool on the cast. But no, they, they don't eat and they, they just go for antlers. Which I, you know, I think that that's something that, again, is one of those things that gets demonized, probably. You know, you see one situation out of a, a bazillion. Right. I was going to say. Where one person took the antlers and didn't eat the meat, and all of a sudden it hits CNN and Fox and national news, and everybody thinks that every hunter out right. there is just going for big antlers and stuff. Well, and also, like, is that the extreme minority? Yes. And then here's another thing. Is that illegal? Yes. Yep. You know, True. so then that, that person is. That's a good point, actually. Breaking the law. Yeah. You know? That's a good point. You shouldn't drink and drive either. Right. Exactly. But I, And then here's another interesting thing that this was repeated in here. And I, I wanted to try and think of, of what they're getting at. And I think that when I first say this, you'll probably think, well, yeah. But also, anyway. Mm-hmm. So it was repeated that this, this third grader did not like the fact that people hunt for fun. Mm-hmm. They, they hunt just for fun. And... I remember reading that, and I was thinking to myself, like, well, I do hunt for fun. Yes. But then I, if you peel that back and you try to you know, kind of understand what they're really getting at, I could see maybe how their idea of hunting for fun maybe is, is hunting not out of respect yeah. of, well, of wildlife and of the animal, and it's just kind of it's a very selfish form of hunting. Like, I'm going to go through, I'm going to tear up the habitat, I'm going to yep. do whatever I can do to have a rip-roaring good time and ba- blouch, blouch, blouch. Well, or that the act of killing, right? It, yeah, is that, the fun part. That that's the fun part. Yeah. Like that's right. where the that's the sole like generator of your enjoyment from that experience. Right. It's like bam, got it. You know, I mean, uh, case in point, not the case, which is why I slammed on my brakes the other day to avoid a squirrel, which I happened to be hunting squirrels a couple days before and would have loved to have gotten one. Yeah. And yet, you know, I basically, you know, put myself in harm's way. Yep. And I was like, oh, no, 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 stop, you know. And it's because if I, if I just wanted to kill something, right, if I, if I got just extreme enjoyment out of doing that, I'd have gunned it. Right. Well, I think if you got extreme enjoyment out of killing something, you'd be in jail. Well, yeah. We'd all be uh, watching Netflix about, you know, Mark Boardman, serial killer. Yeah. Screw loose. <laughs> right. 
I'm glad I stopped then. But I know I'm still sane. But I think that that's I think that that's another thing that probably gets portrayed incorrectly when you see people talking about big, like big antlers and stuff like that. We're getting mm-hmm. a little, we're getting a little bit away from like simply killing. Right. But when people really talk a lot, talk up the size of the deer a lot, mm-hmm. they start putting numbers to it. Yeah, they start holding it and doing entire day long photo shoots with it. Yep, you know. It's it all of a sudden starts to become it, guilty. <laughs> I look. I took a photo with my deer. I didn't take twenty four hours to do it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, then that all of a sudden starts to be. I could see again how people would start being like, "Is that the whole point?" Right. And and mm-hmm. I think like you watch, you know, not to just keep reverting back to the mainstream media, but you watch these shows, and like I've, you know, I have a background in that. Like I myself have been guilty of. Of like, you know, if you if you shoot a deer, the first thing I did when I was hunting with my buddies, first thing I did was look at my, my friend and like gave him a huge high five. We're laughing hysterically. And to someone who doesn't understand hunting, oh dude, yeah. That might be a super weird thing to them. And I, I, I can totally get that. Rip it's it an, out rip it out of context and it is. It, it is. A hundred percent. Yeah, you just took the life of something and the your first thing out of your mouth is you start laughing hysterically Boom. and high fiving. Snip that fifteen seconds out of space time continuum and just show it to anybody and they would they'd call you a sociopath yeah they'd be super weirded out and i think you know now like to start peeling the layers of that back like this person hunting for fun there is fun 100 percent, and there is fun in that moment like the act of ending an animal's life is not the enjoyment process the part that you get enjoyment out of when you do end the life of an animal that you're targeting that you're hunting is that everything that you did that led up to that point paid mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. like you know, to put context to that situation, it was a team effort. I had a buddy that was kind of trying to bump deer my way. He played a part in that hunt. My other buddy, you know, helped pick the location. Uh, you know, there's so much there to be joyful about. Well, and there's mm-hmm. there's the, really, there's an astonishment, right? I think that's where, like, the laughing and I can't believe this and you're hugging trips. Like you said, everybody played a part. It's this amazing. But there's also, there's a level of, like, astonishment. Like, I can't believe it. Actually it worked, yeah. Because That's it just doesn't. Because there's so many times that it doesn't. Because work. yeah, exactly. because yeah, exactly. It works out so rarely. Yep. You can't believe that it actually happened. Yep. Now, what do you say to somebody who's been doing the whole watching a deer, naming a deer, all that stuff? No, that's a lot that's culminated up to eventually. Mm-hmm. If they yeah, go out and big kill time. It. What do you say to that? That's that's a totally like from the outside in. That's a weird thing to look at. I've I've been that person before. Like I. I, you know, quite literally been on both sides of this fence. Like one time, years ago, I was living in Iowa and we were, my wife and I were super lucky that we were renting a house that just happened to be on like 200 acres of land. Mm -hmm. The guy gave us full permission to plant food plots on it, all this stuff. Well, the three years that we lived there, we, you know, would do the food plots and we'd like, we were able to follow deer, you know, and, like, develop this, air quote, history with them. Mm-hmm. So to that person who, like, finally shoots that deer after, and this this may or may not be, like, answering that question. So definitely, like, pull me back if it's not. But, no, like, you know, you shoot that deer, and it it's different than that fact of, like, hey, let's, let's us three go out hunting and let's try and make something work. Now it's, like you kind of have been trying to learn these things. It's almost like a chess match. You're trying to learn something over the course of a couple of years, and then you finally put the pieces of that puzzle together, and it paid off. And that's that's exciting and, and rewarding in a way that is is different than just going out and, like, shooting a deer, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I see both sides, but the 
you know, it all goes back to it all being relative to the situation that you're in. Well, both if, those situations, like whether it's like, you know, you're hunting a super managed piece of property that you've got a lot of, you know, blood, sweat, and tears in, or you've gone on some mountain hunt where you've got a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in, you're still, you're still heavily personally invested with time, effort, and care, and yeah. learning, and planning, so all those things, they're different, but they're the same. Right, why, right. Why do people manage properties? Do they manage it just to get, and I know that the answer is going to be it depends, right? That's just yeah. life. Life just depends. Do they manage it just to get big bucks, or do they manage it to have good habitat? I think, I think the good habitat is part of having big bucks. Or do they manage it to just like, maybe good habitat wasn't the right word, but do they manage it just to like make a better section of the earth? Or are they, or are they, man? You know, like all, all the things that go into it. Right. There's, you know, forest. There's, yeah. There's I trees th- and grasses and even bugs or mm-hmm. deer and other, yeah. other animals. Do they manage it for that, or do they manage it just to grow big old honking bucks? I think you'd be hard pressed if you got back to the root of that question to find anyone who said that they bought their prime chunk of real estate that they've been saving their whole life after. If they if they said anything but now I finally have the opportunity to hunt these world class quote unquote deer, you know I think that's what a lot of people would come I'd, back. Saying. I'd, I'd say the habitat and the health of the deer herd, and it would be a byproduct of yeah. I'd say by and large, right? I guarantee there are exceptions, right? Um, yeah, I mean, there's quite literally a website devoted to to these properties. For deer hunting, you know, a, a couple of them, a couple mm. different. But it's a, yeah. it's, I'll say this, you know, yeah, this person is, you know, maybe one to, I can't, I keep, I've done a million air quotes this uh, podcast, but grow big deer, right? In essence, you're kind of doing that, or you're, but pretty, pretty amazing byproduct having optimal habitat for yeah. a variety of species, yeah. Which not I, just I'm deer. not saying it's right. a bad thing at this, I mean, at this point, it's really up to listeners to figure out yeah. whether they think it's a bad thing or it's a good thing, you know, they're, People out there who probably have properties that they manage, yeah, and you know, I'm like, sure that I, I'm sure that every single person out there who has very your property is a very individual thing, you know, and you probably do it differently than the next guy, yeah. So it's it's up to you, but you know, I'm just again, this is kind of for those people who maybe who, who aren't as familiar, perhaps, or or just have wondered about this uh, this kind of thought process or this mentality. I'm gonna throw you, let me throw something else in there. And yeah, I, I'm probably interrupting again. That same person that's you know trying to grow that giant buck because they like big bucks. Yep. Yeah. Um, I about guarantee they care about wildlife Definitely. and enjoy wildlife on an extremely high level. It's like yeah, they maybe the pinnacle focal point is like I want to shoot, but I guarantee they love yeah. seeing the turkeys. And, and that's what I was oh, going to yeah. add. Yep. You get like you get these this opportunity. To you know, an example that I had is I were renting this this house that was on this land, and there was the back end of a field that was just unfarmed. It was just like grasses and like you know invasive species and stuff. And we burned all that away. Like we we killed it all off. We burned it with fire and we planted in you know a food source. And we had pictures of like deer and turkeys and and that's like super rewarding. And I think you'd find that a lot of the, the overwhelming majority of the people that do that like management route would. Go back to that. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, we just keep we roll, rolling all over the map here. I know. Another thing that I wanted to bring up, too, was, so I brought up a while back, the 
idea that a lot, if you were to talk about the traditional hunter right now in time, I think that you would have in your head the image of somebody who probably goes after big bucks, mm-hmm. you know, kind of does the, enjoys the numbers of it. Yep. This is a 170, whatever. I still don't even know the number yeah, system. right. And there's kind of this new agey kind of thing, if you will. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right word for it. I'd agree. But you've got a swing mm-hmm. in the hunting culture right now. It's going much more towards public lands. It's fair chase stuff. We talk with Land and Jason from BHA about that. And a number of things. The food component is getting food, celebrated oh, yep. way more. Oh, absolutely. As it should. Yeah. Absolutely. Woodsmanship is mm-hmm. another thing that I think is huge to throw into that. that yeah. Your, your list there. And... That it's interesting because that's almost looked at as like this. It, it's it's a little bit. It can tend to be a little controversial sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's kind of newer. A lot of younger people are very interested in this. But really, actually, it's very old. Yeah, mm-hmm. o- old is the new new. Old is the Definitely. new new. I mean, you hear people talking about like Aldo Leopold and reading his book and Teddy and stuff like that. Teddy Roosevelt. It's just it's interesting to see how that swing is also happening. Mm-hmm. No, I think folks are getting kind of getting back in a lot of ways to the root of why are you out there? And again, and, I, and I first say that antlers in some way do play a part in that for me. Or oh, even those whatever. even those people, if you put again like the two bucks in front of them or whatever, they take the bigger one, right? Yeah, or right. they would have all these situations where individual, different. Mm-hmm. I can't think of the word of it. Situations that are mutually exclusive, whatever the word is. Mm-hmm. I'm <laughs> they would have these situations where, one, they might take the small buck mm-hmm. or a doe. We didn't even mention does yet. Yeah. But then on other times where they might wait and try and go for something bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it is still kind of this new – it's it's just a different – it's, it's a, a different way of looking at things. I, yeah, and I think I think all these things, they've always been there, right? It's not yeah. like all of a sudden I just started eating deer, No, right? Yeah. But I've – even personally, like, my focus on – that has been, I'd say, heightened in the last, you know, 10 years. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, when I look at a deer or a bear now, I mean, dude, like, I see those ribs that we made right. with your buck the other day. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm equally excited about, like, that's all. It's like, you know, we have those organic shirts on the website, and that's almost how I, I'm like, oh, yeah. Looking ribs, at the deer that, through that, that, that lens. You know, you're planning all these future meals yeah. and man i've never made this before or, uh, i've never made goose pastrami before and i think just the information that's out there maybe has helped with that i mean recipe books have been around forever and yeah. and, and i think a lot of people are coming to realize like wild game art it's not necessarily like this super different thing that you have to do different things with you can yeah. do i mean it's meat you know and yep. you can do all these whatever you want to make you can make these amazing things yeah. with it yeah and i think you know the 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 other thing we talked about in that list was woodsmanship and that's what like our friends at the hunting public are doing like they are empowering people to know how to go about doing this mm-hmm. stuff and i think that's just that that woodsmanship that goes into that is super rewarding like i i can guarantee you that if i could see into a crystal ball for my 2019 deer season and one end goal end game was you know shoot a giant antler biggest buck ever on a where I just went and shot the deer and that was it. Or the other option is to go and shoot 
a four point or a two point, depending on how we look at this. Yep. <laughs> on a piece of public land where I like scouted and I did some homework and like learning this property and hung a tree stand in this spot and like the deer came up the trail, I guarantee you I would go for that smaller deer over the yeah. big one, hands down. Yeah. I think part of the thing that you bring up too with the woodsmanship and some of that stuff and appreciating more of these details of the hunt, I think a lot of that has also come, we've brought this up a few times, but from some of the influences into the hunting world from non-hunting industries. Mm-hmm. So you have the hiking, mountaineering, yeah. rock climbing, mountain biking, boating, th- things like these that are outdoorsy activities where yep. you got to be somebody who probably knows how to make a fire in the wild, probably yep. knows how to pitch a tent, likes to hike, mm-hmm. likes to rock climb, yep. likes to do a lot of physical activities outside, but maybe they haven't hunted before, mm-hmm. but now they're trying to find a way to get into it. And a lot of times the way that they get into it is they look at things as not a game of these numbers or right. inches or size mm-hmm. or points or yeah. things like that or score. And that's kind of how they justify it to themselves. Yeah. If it were all about the score, then mm-hmm. they wouldn't they wouldn't be as much into it. But well, and you can definitely see where the hunting community as a whole is guilty of presenting itself. And I'm not saying everybody, but in a lot of ways, guilty of presenting itself in such a way that is off-putting. Like, oh, man, it really is about, or uh, it's just about the antlers or... And so folks who enjoy all those... Nobody ever talks about what they do with the deer after they shot it. Exactly. Right. You know, those folks that do love the outdoors and outdoor activities and actually might truly enjoy engaging in hunting or fishing or something like that where you're procuring your own meat. You know, I can see where, you know, we're guilty of, you know, creating like, I guess, an an off-putting image and which Mm -hmm. dovetails right into exactly what I was going to say is because we do know the rest of the story, right? Yeah. Eric and I might be having a conversation about let's let's just say because it doesn't happen very often that I shot some really big buck, right? And you, Jim, as an outsider, you've never hunted deer in your life. I'm like, Eric, dude, you wouldn't believe this thing was a freaking true giant. Yeah, came down. All I saw was you know a rack in the brush and describing G twos and G threes, right? And like, so Eric knows what I'm talking about, but Eric also knows probably just either by knowing me or yeah. whatever, the work that went into this culmination of the experience. Yep. He knows that we're probably going to eat buck meat together in about a week, Yeah, right? But an outside person isn't going to have that inside right. knowledge, right. if you will. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think and that's and probably, and it's up to us to the, communicate that. For sure. That's probably the case, I think, with... I think you just brought up an excellent point that we've probably been dancing around a little bit. But that's probably the case with a lot of people who bring up the big buck stuff and mm-hmm. maybe even some of the people that, you know, I don't want to feel like they've been targeted here in this right. podcast by any means, but some of the people that, you know, we've we've been discussing is that I'm sure a lot of them, you know, they harvest that animal, they get the meat, they feed their families with it, things yeah. like that. They put a lot of work into it. Yes. You know yeah. they had to have. But yeah, it's what we really get excited and we tell tell the world about or show because you just mm-hmm. got to be so careful nowadays. Everybody's looking to take something out of context. Yeah. And Just the other day, I watched a YouTube video. It was two kids here in Wisconsin that, I mean, they were young high school kids, like, just out filming their hunt. Like, they were tra- doing the whole, like, YouTube video thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they shot this buck, and you could tell they were just elated because they're, they're watching and consuming a lot of this, like, media that's out there. And they finally were part of that. Like, they yeah. they took the tactics that they had learned from people, put them into play, and it worked for them. And they were so excited about that. Mm-hmm. And they shot this deer, 
and they talked a lot about those tactics and whatnot, and they were showing the antlers and stuff, and I, I just about guarantee that those kids ate that deer and were super stoked about it, but they failed to show in the video any part of, like, gutting it, processing it, turning it into raw food form. Mm. And the very first comment was, did you eat it? Yeah. Right. You know, and that's but you, just but that. you and me would just, like, we just assume that's Exactly. Happening. You would assume, yeah. And I'd be 99.9999. That is exactly what happened. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I, yeah, and, and you got to understand. But if understand, you don't know, you don't know. You got to yeah. understand, again, that as in thinking from the eyes of an outsider, if all we ever do is talk about big bucks, big bucks, big antlers, big racks, points, scores, numbers, people are going to start thinking that's weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is weird. Yep. You killed an animal. That you've hunted, and you, you just named it. You start, yeah. You <laughs> na- it just, and it. I really hope that people can understand. We're not targeting people who do this so much as just like just asking that. You just think of what it looks like to other people, because especially now that stuff gets shared so much, it's like you post it on something. You know, you know, I only have hundred friends. Only hundred people can see it. Well, there's a share button. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then that person has a hundred friends, and then that per- you know, and it's just it, that's how it all goes around. Exactly. Um. One thing, Eric, that you brought up, we were talking about just some of these off-putting things to other people. Yes. Um, MC Ryan flashed an hour at me, but this seems like a good conversation, so we're going to keep it going for a little bit. So THP guys, right, they hunt a lot of public. And public land hunting is a thing that you see very, very widespread in social media and other places nowadays, especially coming from some of those what I was calling new age, yeah. even though actually a lot, of the, a lot of public land hunting and things like that is a very old kind of concept. Yeah. And I'd have to imagine they've probably shot a buck or two that somebody had history with, somebody else yep. had history with. So that or is... Or Eric, like, <laughs> a month ago. <laughs> yep. Yeah. What is, what is again, for somebody who's not as familiar, what's the deal with, what, what's, like, the faux pas around you go out on public land that butts up to private, yep. you're hunting around... And you shoot a buck, man, super exciting. Yeah. And you go out there or whatever, and then later on, you know, you go you go through the you know whole process. Maybe later on you post a picture, hey, yep. this really cool thing, and somebody else goes, oh, that's Georgie. Yeah. I've had history with that buck for a long time. Yep. What is that? What happened there? What's the whole story behind, or I guess what's the whole thing behind that? That literally did happen to me. Uh, Two months ago, to almost to the day. Was it I, your buck, or did you shoot somebody else's? I, I shot somebody else's buck. I forget what its name was. Which is a I, weird way to talk about it, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it becomes like a pet. Yeah, I shot I shot your buck, but, you know, it's... Like, it'd be so no, much it different. Was, but it's really, I mean, and, dude, totally wild animal. It's just yeah. a, a buck that a dude yeah. was highly aware of. Yeah, right. Like, it'd be so much different if Via you shot... Via a lot of hard work that he put in. Exactly. If you shot my dog, but also some a, people get mad... Like you shot their dog. Exactly. Anyway. Okay, so... But somebody has this history, right? They've right. been seeing it on trail cameras. They've been trying to essentially set up a situation where when this buck is mature... Right. First off, why does somebody pass up on a buck? I would you say... Know, like for the, in this case, yeah. when, you're, when you're trying to almost grow a buck, why, so you pass up on yeah, it. Yeah, you pass one up because you're, you have this goal in mind of whether it's age or antler size or a combination of it. You pass up on one to hopefully 
let that deer next year or two years from now be that one or because you have another one in mind that you're trying to shoot, you know, mm. that doesn't meet mm-hmm. your age and maybe perhaps size requirements. Okay. So, and then when you shoot on public land, again, that butts up to private maybe in this situation, you shoot a buck and it's somebody else's buck. Kind of what, like, what's the thing that, again, we're talking about something that can be kind of off-putting that, yeah, yeah. that hunters can do sometimes. What's that like? I think you're... When, when you're in that situation, you know, myself being the guy who, who shot a deer, I, I didn't know. Of course, the it's deer. not like he has a collar on. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, had no idea that deer existed. I walked into that area that day and had been there in the general area a week before, saw a bunch of giant rubs and huge scrapes, figured that there was a, a very, you know, mature deer in that area leaving that sign. Didn't know what he looked like at all. And on the other side of the fence, you know, literally another guy had known this deer, had been targeting this deer, I think for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, I don't, whether he named it or not, I don't, I don't know. But, uh, that day, the day that I killed him, that deer just happened to walk into my life. But my history, if you want to call it that with that deer lasted maybe 30 seconds. I yeah. looked up the ridge. There he was 30 seconds later. I let the arrow go and he was dead at the bottom of the ditch. So there's two different warding things there. Like it, it had the person who actually reached out to me, and, and I would consider that person a friend now. So that's kind of a cool thing that goes along with this stuff. Yeah. But had that person shot that deer, they would have been, they would have been hanging on all those moments that led up to that. Like yeah. they started to develop a personality to to the deer. Maybe they knew that it was aggressive, so they wanted to grunt at it, and that would ultimately lead to its demise or whatever. For me, the things that led up to that were, you know, seeing reading sign, reading topography, not that this person wasn't doing that that too, but it's just a totally different step process. Well, you're process. venturing into a place that you're not overly familiar with, which yep. has its own excitement to it, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Some people have the excitement of seeing something develop over a long period of time. Some people have the excitement of, I've never been here before, i got to figure it out. Right. And, and that's the... Well, and that guy was probably just further along... Yeah, figuring totally. it out path. Yep, he till, had him. He he told Slinging Rick showed up. Yeah, Slinging <laughs> Slinging Rick. I mean, after talking to the guy, because we've had several like conversations, you know, on on multiple different days about this stuff since then, and it, it's it really has that honestly is a total side note. When he but, didn't get like pissed at you, did he? No, honestly, well, it's good. super cool. Like actually, here in the next few weeks, he's gonna come over. We're gonna have a have a couple beers, talk hunting stories or whatever, and, I, you know, a, a friendship has been cultivated over this. Right. And I think that is super cool. That is. I mean, talk about another really amazing thing that's come out of, like, it's not like you went deer hunting to make a friend. Right. But oftentimes, again, we talk about byproducts. Like, that's an amazing byproduct of this super cool experience. Exactly. Now, and, you know, now you guys, you have a commonality between that deer that place potentially you'll hunt other places together at some point yeah, in time, yeah. or you guys, you know, this maybe you just share this one spot and you know exactly, you know, share information, what you learned. I don't know, it's right? Cool. And I think that's what's really like kind of important to keep in mind if you're if you ever find yourself in that situation. Like if you're the person that does, you know, you're kind of you're you have a deer in mind that you want to shoot, and all of a sudden someone else shoots it. Be thoroughly excited for that person because, mm-hmm. like, if you know, you know that if the shoe's on the other foot, you're going to hope that people are excited for you too. Yeah. So you got to understand that they're wild animals. Yeah. It can happen. Yes. Exactly. You know? A barbed wire fence is nothing to a deer. <laughs> it is not. Well, you know, and talk about it being on on the other shoe. When I was in Colorado with the Hush guys, 
we were hunting public land, and there was a spot on private land that bordered public that a really nice buck was hanging out on. And, you know, talk about naming deer, which I just, I don't often do it, but we'd been watching this deer for a while. We'd seen lots of deer, and we were calling him the tall G2 buck because he yeah. had really tall G2s, right? Yeah. And that was just like a kind of a defining attribute, you know? Yeah. But uh, weird, Mark. I know, totally. <laughs> and uh, you don't catch me doing that very often, by the way. <laughs> so we'd, we'd seen this buck multiple times, put a couple plans together, made a stock on him at one point in time, and we're probably about 100, 150 yards away. And he was probably about 100, 150 yards onto the private. There was another hunter across the way. You could tell that he was watching the same deer. You know, everybody's kind of waiting for the deer to make a mistake. Um, there was a lot of hunters in the area, and he, and he was pretty visible if you had good optics. And that's not even just a plug. You needed good optics to find this guy. But anyway, we hunted him essentially several days, and we made up by watching him for as long as we did from afar oftentimes. We kind of figured out a pretty solid game plan. I'm making this story longer than it is because I'm kind of recounting it as I go along. But the final day, we're like, yep, we think we saw him the night before. We made a plan to go there in the morning. We kept bumping into deer. You know, I mean, it doesn't take that long for a deer to go a couple miles in that country. So we, every time we bumped into some deer, we wanted to be careful that he wasn't with that group of deer. And we eventually made our way over to where we were ultimately trying to get to. And we found him. And there were three other dudes dressing him out and get, oh, getting, him, getting him uh, <laughs> broke down. But the other cool thing is, you know, we had a decent hike out of there and and we got to, uh, those guys made it to their truck before we did, and on the two-track uh, stopped and gave us a ride out. So we actually got to ride out with the, uh, got to ride the out in the, in the bed the of the pickup, uh, <laughs> in the bed of the pickup with the tall G2 buck. But, dude, so pumped for those guys, yeah. man. I mean, they were, like, they were out there doing like, the same thing we were, yeah. and, and they got him, and that was really cool. He's right. a beautiful buck, and they get to enjoy that meat, and they were cool enough to give us a ride out. That's and, awesome. And we actually, I knew I'd met one of the guys before at some of the, some of the trade shows. Oh, nice. So it was, it was, like being, it was kind of uh, interesting. It was cool. The valet for a guy's car who's taking yeah. your old girlfriend out yeah. <laughs> on a date. So we, got, we finally did get to see that buck up close. And, dude, yeah, like I said, like, Zero malice. Yeah. At all. That's cool. cool. That is really cool. That's good. That's good. But anyway. I mean, would I have rather been in Eric's shoes? Yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's kind of most of the conversation. I mean, we'll go into last calls here and other things might come up. Did we want to talk about be careful of how people describe deer? That's, that's the one last thing that I, d- I really wanted to talk about. Let's make it a last call. I'm going to have two last calls as per usual then. As per usual, I wouldn't expect any different from you, Mark. Yes, it's pretty standard. So, well, Eric, I mean, since you brought it up, but I I definitely want to bring up the term that I probably don't care for the most. Yeah. I'll let you go first because okay. I have a different one than no, you, you go. Okay. <laughs> no, you, no, you, no, you, you go first. first. <laughs> um, I love you more. Um, so, no, I mean, we talked to, we you were talking about like perceptions, <laughs> right? You know, and I, I think it's important out of respect to the animal because we do love and care about and respect these animals to talk about them in a way that is respectful. And I think that also translates into perception to people who don't hunt. So, you know, when, when a person sees, you know, a smaller buck or a smaller bull, they might be like, oh, man, yeah, you know, then this dink came out. And I'm like, man, that's just like a, a really negative way to talk about a smaller buck that, you know, who knows? It could be potentially be a future giant, but small buck, big buck, whatever. Like, it's still a living creature. 
it's still something we care about. And to call it like, you know, a dink or or this like that, I just I just think it's derogatory. Or a raghorn. Yeah, or or, offen- or you know, and kind of offensive. And I think and you're really defining the value of that animal again by what's on top of its head or what's not on top of its head. And like if I was it just doesn't seem very respectful. And again, like as a non-hunter, particularly, like if you saw a person, like oh, it's like oh man, I, I just I, I think it could be I think it could be off-putting. Yeah, it is off-putting. I oh, it's it straight up is. Yeah, yeah. Eric, what were you gonna say? So year years ago, my my dad, his friend that we we hunted on his land just so happened to be land that was like center locked in the middle of this big you know, highly managed area. And we were just lucky enough to be there. Like he bought this land 30 years before this area is what it is today. So when he purchased this property back 30 years ago, he had no intentions of shooting quote unquote trophy animals. Like he he bought it because he liked the area. He liked the town. He liked the people up there and just so happened that, you know, he was able to find a piece of property for sale. Long story short, over the years, this area has turned into what is now kind of sought after as like a trophy area for white-tailed deer. And at the time, like I was 12 years old, I, I had no idea what a trophy deer was. I knew that there were big deer and that there were medium and small deer. But anyways, we were cutting firewood in the peak of the rut one day, scaring all of the deer <laughs> everywhere. And uh, this, this That's neighbor, the guy that's always cutting firewood when yeah, i'm trying to hunt okay exactly <laughs> so this guy this, this neighbor all of a sudden kind of waves us over to his his uh, fence line and you know we go over and he's like hey i gotta ask you guys guys a question do you shoot toy bucks and we all kind of you know had this like puzzled look on our face like what's a toy buck what do you mean oh toy bucks you know like like small basket rack type deer well this was a day after i shot a toy buck so you never know when you're gonna say something like that yeah that a twelve-year-old kid oh, is he just trying to be like kind of a dick or something. No, he was it? he was genuinely trying to. And, and there's 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 nothing wrong. There is something wrong with the way that he, he brought it up. Yeah, like right. if you're going to try and get somebody to talk to share management values with you, that's fine. But you don't want to go in there guns blazing and degrade them. And he didn't even know that that we that I had shot a buck the day before. It was my first buck. Right. It was like yeah. Extremely small. Oh, it's just you, like when somebody goes, "Oh, it's just a little guy." Yeah, it was a, a mini guy, not, and not small to you though. Yeah, and not not because of. Dude, I mean, I, I guarantee you can remember absolutely every finite detail for sure of that entire hunt, I, and it's probably one of your most special moments in your life. Exactly. So, like, what you know, when you're talking about these animals, you know, to your point with the whole dink thing, don't degrade them because somewhere, you know, there might be a guy in Michigan or Pennsylvania who's shooting quote-unquote dinks every year, you know, maybe that's a two-year-old buck in his area, and that's a that's a trophy for him. But that guy might be the best hunter in the world because he's out there shooting deer in a very challenging area on a very right difficult place, whereas you, looking through your lens in your trophy-managed area, this is a hypothetical situation, don't degrade that person because out there there's somebody else in a totally different one. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it, all, it all gets back to the, like, why do people even get... Like, why would you even get insulted if somebody said your buck was small? Yeah. Like, at this point, I, I wouldn't, you know. But right. I just, it all, I don't know. It's all kind of, like, revolving around this just, like, the big buck thing. It's very interesting. It is. All right, Mark, I know you got another last call, so I'll just give mine here real quick. Eric, one thing that we didn't jump in on, but you brought this up, and I'll do my best to recap it. 
we brought this up prior to jumping on here. So Wisconsin, when we found CWD in the state, had a big old massive giant deer killing fest where they were trying to kill a lot of deer yeah. to try and eradicate CWD. I was going to say, yeah, herd eradication herd is what ra- it was called. Yeah. Yeah. Herd eradication. Um, Pretty extreme. In fact, one of the guys one of the guys local here was a deer assassin. And um, <laughs> mm-hmm. people didn't like that around here, around yep. this state, because a lot of bucks were getting killed. They could have grown up to be big bucks, and they were trying to manage their properties in order to grow big bucks. Yep. And so Wisconsin stopped that program. Mm-hmm. Based know, on feedback, based, yeah. you know, and pushback from our hunters. Right. And so that happened. Illinois was doing a similar thing. I don't know if it's around the same time or whatever at a later yeah, date. but same time. They still do that Yep. to this day. And Eric was saying that Illinois is one of, if not the only state, yep. that has CWD in its deer population that has not only maintained a level state, but has actually declined. Yep. So the management aspect of it, and you bring it, you know, letting bucks get old and stuff like that and grow up and get big antlers, you got to realize, too, that when they grow old and they don't have things hunting them, they have more lifespan and more time means more chances to get exposed to some of these yep. diseases and things. And CWD is just such a hot button. So I'm not saying that if you manage land, you're causing CWD. Right. By no um, means. No, but it's just an, it's an interesting thing to bring up. I just it, something to think on and, and research more and, and look into more, I'm sure. But, but I, did find that, I did find that to be interesting. And naturally, there's many variables. But, I mean, you can't deny that the longer deer lives, right. the more chance it has to get CWD. No, just, I mean, if this ever dovetailed into, like, a part two of this discussion, Doug Dern would be a phenomenal one to have on because, mm-hmm. you know, he's... He, if, he used, if, oh, his philosophy he used to have, has done a 180. Yep. He used to have his top row. You didn't shoot a buck that was off the top, yeah. smaller than the top row buck. Unless you wanted to, or, you know... Unless, unless you wanted it, to wear the sombrero. The, yeah, <laughs> or if it was, like, your first time or whatever, yeah. you know, but... But now things are a lot different. Right. Now that they, uh, what, he found CWD on his... Yeah, a year his land, ago. Right? Yeah. A year ago, 2017, I very, very interesting stuff. Things more to, to look into more. If you're curious about what CWD is, we have a podcast on that. You can scroll back. It's one of our earlier ones, but check it out. Anyway, that's mine. All right. Probably just dropped a nuclear bomb there at the end, but that's how I like to leave it. <laughs> and I like I'll to leave l- things in a cloud of dust. The old stir the pot last call and yeah. jam out of there. Take the hive and run. Eric, what do you got? I have on like big all caps letters. Like it's all relative with like two exclamation points written on this paper in front of me. And like that's what a lot of this does boil back down to. The, but I guess for a last call thing, I would just say like, Find what it is that you want to get out of hunting Mm -hmm. and go after that. Whether that's like learning deer and just shooting a deer that you were able to figure out, big, small, whatever, like, cool, do that. Whatever it is, just figure that out. Figure out your situation. Don't look at anyone else, what they're doing. Like, it might be cool to pick the brains of other people if you want to learn tactics. Right. But when it comes down to your harvest decision, like, think about what, if it gets you excited, like, that's good enough for me. Heck yeah. yeah. That's Shoot always a, good enough for me. Exactly. Shoot a doe. Yeah. I can tell you that on this holiday hunt in Wisconsin, I hunted hard for three days. I was exhausted for does, and I thought I would get one, but I totally didn't. Yep. I was beat. It was yeah. hard. They're yeah. not easy. Yep. Nope. 
Nope, that's awesome. If and you it, shoot a doe, you're mount it and then send us. Oh, picture. we're that's we're great. going to yes. Oh, that's a new thing. The, send it. us your doe euro mounts. <laughs> <laughs> but Eric, what you said really was a lot of what I was going to say, and, and I heard a quote one time, and I don't recall who said it, but it just really stuck with me, and it was comparison is the thief of joy, and and that I think that applies to all aspects of your life. You know, you might think you live in just the most fantastic house in the world and you probably do, but you look across the street and you're like, Oh, well, Nancy has a much bigger house. That's keeping up with the Joneses right there. My house that was fine before now isn't fine. You know, now, now this house that you loved and, and enjoyed isn't good enough anymore. Right. And I think that, man, I just think that translates over to really all aspects of our life. Like I said, and including deer, you know, if you shoot a fork buck or two point, just to Eric's point, if you're getting if that made fulfilling you, experience, yeah. yeah, that's all that matters. Yeah, that is truly all that matters. And hunting means different things to different people, and people are looking to get different things out of it. But don't let, I guess, don't let what somebody else is getting out of it, or you know, maybe they shot a quote bigger buck, define how you feel about what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, we got into that even, even in the classifieds hunter mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have, as nice as it is, the Sitka, the Kuyu, the First Light, the a super expensive lightweight gear that Dave, you know. I'm Hey, I'm saying that it's great stuff, and you should check it out. But I'm not saying that you have to. You don't you have can, to. You can hit yep. up the classifieds, and you can still go hunting. You can still be out there. And if you compare yourself, you'll think, oh, man, I'll never be able to afford anything and never go hunting. That's what I'm saying. Shoot a classified. Kuyu, you Sitka, First Light. We love you guys. You guys make great stuff. Mark just had like a heart attack because he thought that. I want people to be comfortable. Right. They'll stay in the field longer, have a more fulfilling experience. Shoot a classified buck. All right. Do it. Classified buck. I like that. We're signing out. MC Ryan told me that we went over time. No, I make MC Ryan seem kind of like he's a hard ass, but he's actually not. He's just sitting here very patiently. Walk softly, but carry a big stick. That's kind of like his motto. He keeps us on track. If he ever said a motto. Yeah. All right. Bye. 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 All right. That'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hit that subscribe button so you can always stay up to date on the latest happenings over here at the Vortex Nation podcast. Leave us a review or comment down below. We want to hear what you have to say about the show. Maybe what you like. Maybe what you didn't like, so that way we can make these podcasts as good as they can be. You can also follow us on Instagram at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'll be posting about each episode released, so that way you can go back, find these things, maybe grab a little nugget of information that you could take with you to the range, out in the field, or uh, maybe to the kitchen if we're talking about some good food. So, again, everybody, thanks and happy hunting and shooting. We appreciate it. Have a good one.